Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, welcome to the uh, On Texas Football Wednesday Night Live stream. I'm Bobby Burton. Joined by Rod Babers and CJ Vogel, brought to you by the Texas Electricity Ratings.com website. Uh, I'm sitting in tonight for Ray Peters. Ray is out on vacation. Uh, Ray lives in Belton, by the way, William Niche. So, hey. Yeah, don't, don't forget about <laughs> that. But hey, uh, guys, uh, good to see you guys here tonight. A lot of stuff going on, Rod and CJ. CJ, you and I talked earlier today about some news that's been breaking around multiple signing days now. Uh, that are going to be moved around from where they were previously. Uh, previously, signing day was, was just December and February. Rod, according to an ESPN report, they're going to add one in late June now uh, to a prospect prior to a prospect's senior year. Uh, kind of crazy in my mind uh, exactly what's going on there. But uh, yeah, what, what do you think about that, Rod, as far as you know, moving up another timeline for players to sign so early. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, for the prospects that want to get it out of the way and they're they're sure and certain about what they want to do, I mean, it's great for them. I imagine some coaches would like to have a lot of the hay in the barn already, considering how jam-packed the college football calendar is now. And really, we know that the recruiting um, windows are not as complicated as the, what seems to be the transfer portal windows um, so that's another thing they have to address. So it's, I, you know, I think it's good that the, the, the coaches will have, I think kind of more options on the table to secure a recruiting class and the players will have options too. I guess that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, for the coaches, the calendar is still a, I mean, it's a mad scramble most of the time. Let, let me ask you this, Rod, and what's the matter with the old way of just doing it a single, a single week in February? I mean, have we actually made it any better? By in, increasing the number of weeks, have we helped the high school player at all? Have we hurt the high school player? But now coaches are going to put them in the hot box more than ever before. Hey, sign now. You never know if Texas is going to be there for you or Ohio State's going to be there for you later. Sign now. I mean, it, it seems to me like we're going the wrong way on this. Instead of just actually having a single week, I don't care when it is. Uh, I don't think it should be before a prospect senior year, but it seems like, you know, it should be every single day they can sign the letter of intent whenever they want to, or they should be able to, to do it on a single day. Not, not this three different times of the year to where college coaches can kind of, you know, get their grips into them a little. I, it's just my opinion. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it seems a little, and I don't, I don't mean this, from a nefarious standpoint for college coaches, but we all know it goes, goes on. You know, they, they will try to say, Oh, well, Texas doesn't really want you or Ohio state or Florida or Georgia doesn't really want you uh, come over here and play it. I'm just using a term Oklahoma state. Yeah. So, and I feel like, I feel like that's going to be a, a, an, an issue uh, for teams and for players who feel like they're going to be, like I said, they're going to be put in the hot box a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if it's better. That's a great question. I mean, I know we have more options. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's like when I think about Netflix, right? I go through all the damn options on Netflix. I'm like, I don't know if there's still anything to watch. I don't know if there's any quality here, but there's a ton of quantity. So I got more options. I don't know if there are better options, though. And I think what you're talking about, man, they just have more options. I think it goes with the uh, having the player empowerment movement, too. I mean, it's, this is a player friendly move. I think it's, you know, it's giving the players more opportunities to either get the process out of the way because it's bothersome or they can go, they can exhaust the process all the way to the end if they want to. And then we know after they make their commitment, hell, if they decide to make their own the choice, they can just transfer. 
So, <laughs> I mean, uh, so for the players, I do think it's better because you just have, I mean, you got a lot of kind of fail safes along the way, along your path in case you make the wrong decision or your circumstances change. But that is a great question overall. I don't necessarily know if it's better, but you do have more options. You have you have options, but now coaches have to be on call three months instead of just those two months leading up to signing day. That's fair. I, I that they're, they thought that recruiting was broke when they had just one signing day, and they're finding out that it wasn't really broke. It's just <laughs> always going to be crazy. Recruiting is always crazy. They tried to make it thinking – they had an idea to make it less crazy, and it didn't. And yeah. so they're instead of going back to what they had, they're going to try to fix it again and find out it, it just it's messed up altogether. Recruiting yeah. is a crazy topic, and to to think that you can kind of corral it, I think is is one of those you know wrong ideas. Just the fools there, wrong ideas. CJ, what do you have? What do you have to say about it? I think the idea of adding an earlier signing day certainly suits towards the college coaching staffs. That goes without saying how crazy things get around the holiday season for these coaching staffs, especially with the 12 team expanded playoff. Uh, It's almost an impossible time to battle or juggle the portal of filling out your, your recruiting class and then going into what you expect to be for a number of coaches, uh, the postseason, and whether that just be one game or three games, uh, that's a tough thing to do when you're still trying to fight to keep your class together while your rivals, whether it be in-state, in the region, or not in your conference, are now done and looking to get their class solidified and on to the next year. I think that's something that uh, for coaching staffs, it would be great for them to knock out recruiting all in one spot. Uh, I don't necessarily like where uh, the projected you know, uh, first signing day would be at the end of June. I'd rather see that a little bit later into the year, probably that first week of August or last week of July, just again, because there's four or five official weekend visits in that June uh, June period where you're now forced to, if you want to solidify and shut down everything, get it done and answer everything uh, really quickly. And so if you're one of those guys that wants to knock everything out ahead of your senior season, give it one more month, let it let them do it at the end of July and, and and or early August. And I think that would be the great spot there because we've seen staffs like Texas that like to fill up early in the summer yep. uh, and really try to pack away their recruiting efforts so they can mm-hmm. focus solely on the season because they have the ambitions and the drives to to go play uh, extra games in the postseason afterwards. So I think it's a, a good idea for a lot of the players. Again, we talked about it earlier, Bobby. I don't think a lot of players will sign in June. No. Um, this is one of those things where you'll probably see a quarter of the kids that you think are committed at the time, uh, especially to maybe some of the shakier programs who might not have. If you commit to Arkansas right now, Bobby, are you signing? If you commit to Florida, <laughs> because you know, and you already you just saw what happened a year ago with all the headlines and 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 the hot seat at your program, you're committed right now to get a seat in that boat. But that doesn't mean that you're you're taking off the life jacket and making sure that you're not leaving with the ship, right? Like you're going to keep your options open. And I think that's a, a good thing. Uh, it's one of those things that kind of creates a, a, a life preservation raft for for guys that want to be a part of a class, but not necessarily ready to sign right away. Yeah, it, it's, it's just interesting to me. And you talk about making it better for college coaches that it doesn't. It gives them three times where they have to be on call instead of just two or just one. This is what I'm saying. It, yeah. uh, somebody in the chat, who, who was it here that I, I thought had a really good one? James Lee. They should move the signing day to the end of spring of a prospect's senior year and have it be a singular day. Instead of February, move it to March. That gets it away from the end of the, the uh, college football mm-hmm. playoff, right? Before spring ball for, for the colleges. So it so starts that- before spring mm-hmm. ball. Move it to then, and here's the other piece that, that really is valuable, I think. By then, all the co- coaching movement's over. Well, are you taking away early enrollees? What's the, the clarification there? Are you, no, early enrollees have sign anyways. Before, before there was a December signing period, early enrollees never signed. They just showed up on campus. Look, here's the here's the problem yeah. that's that's going to happen. There's no perfect answer. Let, let's that's that's the fallacy of it all. 
there's no perfect answer to this. And so having more does not make it better. To, to Rod's point, quality over quantity is my is my yeah. my thought process there. Guys, look, we're gonna have we're gonna have kids who have signed their NIL contracts before their senior football season that might end up opting out of their senior high school football season because of this. Oh, coach, mm-hmm. I don't want to go in because I might get injured, and that might you know affect my NIL. I I, I think that they're looking at this entirely wrong instead of speeding up the process they should be trying to push it back you know that makes the players and the coaches to have the most information Mm. possible at the latest period of time Mm. that's that's my thought process and maybe you have a signing period cj to your point only for early enrollees in december and for junior college signings or the portal but not for every everybody out there yeah, that's that's where I'm a little different. I look here's here's the reality. DeAndre Robinson changes from Texas to Florida. Right. Why did he change from Texas to Florida? Because of a, a an assistant coach. Hmm. That assistant coach move would have already happened. If if that if signing day was in March. Yeah. Instead of June. I mean, they really don't even know who I mean, what, 20 to 20 to 30% of a staff moves on an annual basis on an average college football campus. Mm. So you're going to say that 20 to 30% should sign a full year ahead of time. I just, I, I feel like it's uh, mm. setting yourself up for more, more problems. Uh, yeah. than what you've got. All right. Uh, I'm sorry to go on my little uh, rant there. That was, that was good. good. Thank you all's uh, questions uh, today. We don't have a lot to talk about, although, uh, Brock Cunningham might be the guy that we need to talk about a little bit because <laughs> you think he could play tight end? Rod Bader, uh, he's tough. Hey man, he, he's tough. He's got he's got a he's got an edge to his game. We know that. I wouldn't call him an enforcer, but he's definitely an instigator. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, a, he's an agitator out there, man. And, that is a great way to put it. That's right? a- I mean, but. I listen. I, it, him and excuse me, him. Uh, you know, obviously tackling the Texas Tech player. It, I will admit it was a dirty play. It was a dirty play. It was because I don't necessarily think he was going for the ball. But I will say this. Sometimes coaches are willing to accept uh, a penalty for a play that was out of line or a dirty play if it wants to make a statement. And I think the statement that he was trying to make was, hey, man, just because we're up big don't mean we're letting up. All right. We about to hey, we, we about to put it on you that we're still going to stay aggressive. We still going to play with an attitude, with an edge. I mean, honestly, that's what that's one of the best performances we've seen from Texas basketball all season, if not the best. And they played with a style, a brand of basketball, like a style of basketball. Like, I don't think this team has an identity. The hope is that that was close to what their identity is going to be. They, you know, they play some, you know, some fiery defense, some intense defense. Uh, they get off the fast starts. The backcourt showed up for you with Max Asmus. And uh, I love the move by. Uh, by by Coach Terry to uh, put in it Horton in the lineup. I thought I thought that was a it was a nice move, and I think it it it, it basically kind of fueled the bench. I mean, your bench gave you thirty four points in that matchup. I mean, Texas basketball plays like that. They go they they may make some noise in the tournament. It's possible if they play like that, but they don't play like that all the time. We we don't know what team we're gonna see. They had just gotten blown out and gotten old testament style beatdowns in the prior two road games. And who would have thought in the rowdiest of most raucous of environments, they go down there in tech and they put a beatdown on Texas Tech. So I don't know who we're gonna see. That's probably the problem with this team, is that the inconsistency. That's the most consistent thing about it. Yeah, yeah. Consistently inconsistent. That described Texas's offense for about 10 years. In football, that's how I describe it. Seriously, I mean, they'd have you know weeks where they looked like they couldn't couldn't lose, and then the next week they wouldn't get three first downs. <laughs> that, that that literally ten years of my you know, football following life that felt like I was talking about Texas football. Uh, hey, uh, the one thing I would add to that about uh, uh, Brock Cunningham and all of that, uh, what went on last night, CJ, I thought it was woefully appropriate that it happened in Lubbock and you know what sayonara Texas Tech what do you think bud yeah I mean we don't 
Rod, we don't really necessarily see Brock Cunningham as an enforcer too much, but whenever he opts to play the heel for Texas, yeah, uh, he's a he's a darn good one, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah. And to do so on the stage in Lubbock, uh, where you know Texas Uncut released a video years ago of uh, Chris Beard's squad at the time walking back into Lubbock for the first time and just hearing the Tech fans around them, you know, welcoming them to Lubbock. Uh, I, I thought it was a good send off, uh, one that. Just like football, you know, Texas leaving that series with an upper hand uh, in which it was a blowout fashion and, and leaving uh, a pretty, you know, tasteful, you know, remark. You know, one last meeting uh, for between the two teams uh, for Brock Cunningham to do that and then play into it a little bit afterward on Twitter. Uh, that's just kind of the character he is and basketball player that uh, he brought to the Texas program. And, you know, going into the tournament, you're going to have to have some of that edge and play with some of that passion again. But, you know, within the realms of uh, what you expect to be in the postseason. But I, I, I liked it. It was interesting. I love that uh, Brock Cunningham's a legend now because he's he's one of the most hated Texas athletes in the history of the Texas Texas Tech rivalry. Now that I mean, he's right up there in the, like the top five of the most Texas Tech's most hated uh, athletes at the University of Texas. So that means something, man, to be that much of a villain. Be- Hey, who would be number one for Texas Tech? I mean, Tony Bracken's decapitated oh. someone. <laughs> hey, I mean, oh, that's good. Um, man, who did? Do you remember Quandre Diggs? Who did Quandre Diggs knock out oh, of the game? Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. He did. Yay! That was a nice one. I mean, so, that was so a good Bracken's, one. Bracken's, uh, Bracken's, Diggs, and now Brock Cunningham. Oh, oh, you know what? Lou Jordan Humphrey caught that game-winning TD. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. That was that was that was nice. Here's the problem with all of that. It still doesn't make up for freaking Michael Crabtree. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Hey, hey, listen, you Bobby. know it, y'all. Hey, Bobby, I'm still pissed off about 2002. Okay, down there in Lubbock, losing to Cliff Kingsbury and Wes Welker and Mike Leach. I'm still upset about that one. So I ain't even gonna worry about 2008. I can't handle that. I'm still pissed off about 02 losing out in Lubbock. So crazy things happen at night in Lubbock. And that's why Texas basketball, they deserve some praise. Because usually down there, when they that crazy and that routed, throwing tortillas and beer <laughs> bottles, whatever the hell else they're throwing, they usually play play pretty good. They Texas basketball put them put a whipping on them. Hey, was Wes Welker as good as you thought? Did y'all know he was that good? No, he was. He, he, he balled out that game, too. I got to go look at his stats in that game, man. He balled out on us. It was kind of a coming out party for him because we had so many injuries in that game. You remember we had Nasty Nate went down. Nathan Basher went down. We had, I believe, Kalen Thornton got hurt. I think Derek Johnson got hurt. Man, we became a mash unit. And we had some youngsters out there covering the slot. I was outside, and Wes Welker was just eating us up with them slants, quick outs. And the truth is, I'll I'll let, I'll confess this: I I blame myself for that loss because our tech, the offense was offense was killing it. It was an old fashioned shootout. Our, our offense could not be stopped. Our defense was out there getting worked. And it was because Cliff Cliffy was on with Wes Welker. I don't remember the stat line. I'll go look it up. But all those injuries, I should have went to Coach Akina because I knew how to play the slot. I'd played nickel before. And I was I was the leader of that secondary. I should have went into Coach Akina and told him, I got Welker. I'll take him. Because we were just playing a lot of man coverage anyway. Plotter should have played a little bit more zone, would have been okay. But I should have, I should have, I should have stepped up there. That was to me, that was one of my biggest regrets is that. I should have went to Coach Akina in that game and went, hey, man, let me take Welker. At least I would have done better, I think, than the youngsters did. And I ain't saying I would have shut them down. But I'd have, I think I would have made more plays, and we could have won that damn game and went to a BCS game. So, Rod, I don't think you want to hear it, but uh, 247 all-purpose yards for Welker in that game. I'm telling you. His draft – that I mean, I'm telling you, if he would have been – because what, 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 is he undrafted? Was he an undrafted free agent? No, no, I think he was drafted. I think the key with him was he was basically he had no scholarship offer to a major conference school until Mike Mike Leach called him on either day of signing day or day before signing day and offered him. I think he was drafted though. Um, no, he was undrafted. He was undrafted. He was undrafted. You want to know how I know he was undrafted? Because that highlight reel would have been all Texas. It would have been just Texas been just <laughs> running up and down the field on Texas all the time. That's why I, I was like, no, he was undrafted. Yeah, exactly. Exact, no, man, you, you're right. 
Mike Leach saw something special and Bill Belichick, two of the goats, was like, no, 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 that dude can play. So uh, that was that's said. That's on me, Longhorn fans. I'll take I'll take that loss. That's L was on Rod B. I take a few of them. Hey, I, I thanks for saying talking about that a little bit, guys. I want to say this is a called. I want to segue to something else. This is called on Texas football. So the state of Texas, obviously near and dear to all of us. Uh, the folks out in the Panhandle fighting the forest fire, or what? Not even a forest. I don't. The desert fire, the haboob, or whatever they're calling that out there. Um, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers uh, with you guys wow. as you're going through this. Hearing the town, entire towns are having to be evacuated is just heartbreaking. Uh, I know some people have, have started come up. Some of that has passed them now. And so they're back at home and stuff. And, and so I just want to say I've been checking on the, the news stations, et cetera, Twitter, trying to read all I can about it. Uh, just know that that uh, those of you out that way, uh, we're thinking about you because uh, it's definitely something nobody wants to see it. Early this morning, the fire itself was as large as the city of San Antonio. Oh, my God. As large as the city of San Antonio. Just heartbreaking stuff. I, I, I want to bring this in. Todd Lacey says, I played basketball against Brock's dad in high school. Well, Brock's dad was from Fritch, Texas, Sanford Fritch, up in the panhandle. And he was one of that was one of the towns I believe that got uh, got evacuated. Uh, oh, so uh, Todd Ed was an offensive tackle at Texas, a big left tackle, six foot eight uh, in college. Yeah, he was a big. He was one of the big guys. Uh, Stan Thomas and him. I don't know if you remember him or not. First round pick of the Chicago Bears uh, was a uh, was the other tackle uh, there as well. All right, got some other questions we're going to get to uh, and talk a little bit more about tonight. Uh, but first, I do want to say thank you to our sponsor, TexasElectricityRatings.com. TexasElectricityRatings.com is a uh, site that allows you to comparison shop your ratings package. So if you're in a deregulated big city like Houston or Dallas and can actually choose your plan, go to TexasElectricityRatings.com and they will have it lined out for you, which ones may be the best based on your usage uh, and availability. Uh, that's TexasElectricityRatings.com. They want me to tell everybody, hook them, and thank you uh, for checking out TexasElectricityRatings.com. All right, uh, let's get back to the chat and the questions. Uh, feel free again to fill them up. we got a plenty of time here. I'm going to bug uh, CJ and, and Rod as much as possible with some things. CJ, here's one for you. Do you think Kendall Weaver, the guard, whatever you want to call him, the Man, we need a nickname for him because he, he, <laughs> he plays good enough defense to have a nickname. He's like a yeah, glue. He's like, like six to people like glue, yet mm. he's still super athletic. I don't know. Um, do you think Kendall Weaver could play D1 football? Jeff Carey, thanks for the Super Chat. Yeah, it's one of those fun debates that you talk about all the time, whether it be football or basketball players going back and forth with one another. Rod, I'm sure there were guys back in your day on the basketball court that thought they could come out and be a wide receiver or tight end or, or, oh, yeah. or DB and, and football players, just the same, you know, they, they learn one fancy dunk and think that they can lace them up on uh, <laughs> on the weekends and go play for, uh, for, for coach Terry, you know, that's how that goes. Um, I listen, Kendall Weaver and what he's able to do defensively and the way that he's able to change direction so quickly, it is impressive. And I've long said what the NFL might've gotten as lucky as they, ever would have been wide receiver specifically if Russell Will, uh, Westbrook did not opt to play football at 6'4 and the way that he has his athleticism it would have been really fun to see him as, as a defensive back there and and Rod you might be shaking your head saying no it's more technical to be a DB than that but hey you know there's some guys that you see move athletically that quickly at that size and think man what if like mm -hmm. like saying LeBron at tight end who, oh, yeah. who, who knows what could have happened you know uh, but but man, that's one of those things I love to hypo you know kind of sit back and and think about the hypotheticals and and what else could have happened. But Kendall Weaver athletically is one of the most impressive basketball players to come through Texas, not only because of what he's able to do defensively, but man, those hops he can jump through just about anybody that he he meets at the rim. It's it's really impressive what he's able to do. I had a long uh, uh, back in my day. Um, remember James Thomas? He used to always claim he could he could go out on the football field and play DN or something. James Thomas, but he was tough like that. I ain't gonna lie. I, I, James Thomas was a tough. He was from New York, I think, from the East Coast. He was a tough mofo. He probably could have, but 
I know everybody believes they can do that. I remember, you know, seeing those guys go to Gregory Gym. And there are a few guys, honestly, like a Roy Williams. Some of them dudes are freaks. I mean, they they really can. They look like they could translate over. They probably would be coming off the bench. But I remember a few dudes I played with. Roy Williams could go. I mean, that dude it was a great athlete. Track, football, basketball. He was one of them. Um, so some of them guys I think could have done. Have you ever, you ever seen Allen Iverson's um, oh, football highlights? Bro. I saw him in high school. Did you really? Oh, yeah. man. Dude, yeah. I know he played quarterback, but that dude could have played corner or wide receiver in the league. I, I believe tremendous, it. A tremendous punt returner. Tremendous punt <laughs> returner. Yeah. Uh, oh, Bobby, here's one for you. He had a 109-yard – I think it was him. had a 109-yard interception return as a, <laughs> as a safety. Uh, one time, I mean, he, he did a lot of Allen Iverson was his freaky freak, yeah, yeah. That, but you could tell that. I mean, yeah. that wasn't you could, I mean, he he needs to be playing a sport where he needs to be running and jumping. And I mean, he's got unbelievable hand eye coordination, yeah, I mean, just the crossover, yeah, uh, it's mm -hmm. unbelievable, yeah. And so he was he was made for that, but he was also a pretty good quarterback. Not unlike, I'll tell you who he was very much like is is Vince Young, not as wow. tall, not, yeah, not as tall as Vince, right? But that same kind of really, he, he has a like Vince's throwing motion was unconventional, right? Yeah, it's fair to say Allen's was was unconventional as well. Hmm. But but just nice. both of those guys, just freaky freaky athletes. That's the only all right, let's keep going here. It sounds like it looks like, uh, according to uh, some folks, that Texas is going to uh, win the women's basketball game that's going on right now. Uh, James Lacey kind of keeping us up to date a little bit on that. Uh, appreciate that very much. Uh, and uh, please let us know in the chat uh, if you guys see anything like that going on. Uh, also, got some more questions coming up uh, as well uh, as some comments that I want to get to. Hey, talking about hated people for Texas Tech. <laughs> This is a pretty good one from a recent day. Oh, yeah. Chris Warren literally, I mean, yeah. he, he, what did he run for, 250 that day? Something wild like that. CJ, yeah. were you in school at that time? Or were no, you I wasn't. I was a senior in high school, I think. Okay, gotcha. But I remember thinking, you know, Texas has its next, you know, Doak Walker Award winner, you know, <laughs> right in its fold. Chris Warren, I, I I told you there might not have been a player I was more excited to see from uh, end of a season through the off season and then back into the, the the upcoming season than Chris Warren was whenever I was in high school. Uh, I don't know, you know that was back in the the dark days of Texas football where he looked like that one game he, he was going to be a beacon of hope and uh, fell a bit flat there. Yeah, absolutely. Hey Rod, uh, uh, we were talking uh, today, me, Jerry, and CJ Vogel got together for the state of the program. And we were, we were all, we all, I asked everyone, what is your one strength of the football team heading into this spring practice? What is the one strength for, for if you had to choose one over everything else, I'll wow. tell you what everybody else said after that. After over everything else. One strength over everything else. That's good. That's really good. Hey, you can go really not, abstract not, here and pick Bird Auburn if you want. <laughs> right? And we're not talking – are we talking – okay, we're talking about just projecting for the season, right, What's, what we think is going to be a guaranteed strength, no doubt. Yep. Oh, man, that is good. I mean, it should be. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It should be 
Quinn in the passing game. That's what it should be. Hey, that's two votes for me. It yeah. should be. That's that's, that's what I went with. I didn't call it the you you went a little bit different though, Rod. You went okay. passing game. I went quarterbacks. Okay, I can see that. That's, that's a little bit different. Yeah. You're and, and I because that then includes the running backs as well as the receivers and the yeah. tight end. Yeah, I'm just going with yeah because I I'm just going with the proven commodities they brought in at wide receiver and then the ones they already had unproven commodities they have on the roster. And yes, yeah, so I'm yeah, I'm kind of I'm talking about the passing game because if the Queen's gonna go, you talk about it all the time, but he's gonna go one one, right? Overall, you know, he ain't gonna do it handing off the football. Right? You're gonna, <laughs> you know, what I mean he's gonna do it showing off that he can make he can touch every blade of grass on the football field, can make all the throws, can you know go deep into the progressions, can put the cape on when he needs to, that he's got the clutch gene, they can show it all off, and he's gonna do that via the pass with the passing game. So that's why I'm thinking it's gotta be Quinn. It should be Quinn. If it is Quinn, Texas got a chance to win the SEC. It should be Quinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, 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 I could go. I said that plus Arch Manning, but I, I hear that, you on the passing game. What were you going to say next? Well, I was going to say also I could, and it it should be that old line too. That old line is that a one and a half for me? <laughs> <laughs> is that that you said, Jesse J? I said the offensive line should be it. Okay. That, I mean, four to five, Cam Williams, you. You have an idea of what he could be. I think yeah. that's the unit that leads your way offensively. Yep. It, yeah. This right. is not it should be O line. I I, I like CJ. I, I could have went with O line too. Honestly, I agree with that. You your first answer was correct, by the way. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just let the let, don't let the young whippersnapper sway you. There, the chat looks hot right now. Just saying. Hey, uh, I want to say I want to add this. Jerry Hamilton actually, uh, uh, Rod. I thought you'd find this interesting. Went with safety. Said that Ooh. he thought safety because he thinks Derek Williams and he included Jade Barron in that. Okay. Right? And then you got two, three year or four year starters, three year starters. That's and true. Jade and Jade and Makuba. And yeah. then you add a, a young guy like Derek Williams and a and a guy like Michael Taft. That's true. That's you all point. of a sudden have not only top end guys, you have some depth too. So that's I not bad. That was, yeah. I, 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 I like thought, that. I think all three of those play into it, right, and play into the answer, I think, uh, of what we could all consider that. All right, uh, next ne- next question. Uh, again, we have time for all the questions you guys want tonight. It's kind of a free form. I'm sitting in for Ray Peters. Ray, uh, guys, you're not – Ray is retired, but he is <laughs> a resident retiree on our staff, and, and uh, he is actually taking his beautiful wife to a once-in-a-lifetime trip right now to the south of France. Oh, wow. classy oh, he dude. Man. He went big. Wow. Went big. So we're really proud of Ray and happy Man. for him to get to go do it uh, like he had before. All right, I got another thing here for you. This is from David Keith Williams. We were talking about women's basketball just a second ago, and, you know, it's, it's this is the truth, guys. Uh, there are six women's teams for the University of Texas that wow. are currently ranked within the top seven nationally of various sports. And that doesn't include, I don't know, gee, volleyball that just won a national championship, probably. You know, what's women's rowing? One or two? I mean, golf, I mean, just it goes on and on. Uh, You know, Rod, I want your your thoughts on this uh, because you actually were in the building as an athlete, right? And you saw success. You all saw success your, your own on the football field. Yep, but you when you were there, they had good basketball teams. They had different different mm-hmm. teams were were playing well. Yeah, that really helped lift everybody's expectations or lift everybody's spirits. Like from the outside looking in, you would think we've all been part of those teams, right? Where oh, everybody's pulling for one another, and a rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. Was it yeah. that way, and is it that way truly, or is that more in just a a fan's head? I no, I think it is. I think l- lately, I think it is a newer, a different generation. And I think it's a newer phenomenon. When I played every now and then, we would end up going to uh, some of the women's games and we'd go to you know a volleyball game or we'd go to a women's basketball. It, it was it was rare, though. It wasn't we did all the time. Now I see I see guys and gals from different sports supporting other sports all the time. 
Um, you know, we'd get out to a baseball game every now and then. We'd go to a Texas basketball game. It wasn't something we did a lot of. I say now the guy, I see him doing it a lot more. I I, I really like I me. Mean, I see the, the the women, I see the men, I see the men at different uh, women's female sports, I see the women at all the men's sports. So they're doing a great job of that. There is more camaraderie between all of the different sports within the athletic department than there was when I was there. I we knew all the other athletes, I knew all the basketball players and Trust me, I knew all the track, the ladies on the track team, of course. Uh, didn't get to know the ladies on the volleyball team well enough. That was one of my goals, that, but also one of my regrets. I should have should have dated more volleyball players when I was on campus. You know what I mean? Amazon woman. You never get to meet a you're woman. I'm tall enough, Rod Baver. Exactly. Now. But you're right. I wasn't. But but on campus then, 5'8", but starting cornerback at Texas, I basically that gives me like four more inches. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I at five nine, I could have dated a volleyball woman at like six two. You know what I mean? It would have been all good. You know, so it, I missed that. I missed that opportunity. So I never get to get manhandled by an Amazon woman. But anyway, they now they they support each other more than we did, and I think it's a different athletic department. It is, man. I mean, see, Delos Dawson was awesome. Delos Dawson was amazing, and he was all about the student athletes. He 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 did he did a, a a ton as much as he could support student athletes. CDC's approach is he's more accessible and more of a, about the fan experience. He supports student athletes too, but it's like he's added something to his job, which is fan experience and even accessibility. Um, and obviously, Dallas Dallas didn't have social media, but even then, I don't know if he was as, as accessible as you know CDC is. When the loss would go to the games and stuff, he'd be up in the boxes hanging out with, you know, the boosters and the donors. Now, you see CDC walking around with a gin pop, just hanging around, kicking. He might just pop up around the corner like, hey, CDC, what's up, man? He'd come over there. Hey, what's going on? What y'all doing? You know what I mean? And he, he's just he's, he's, he's so accessible and such a common man. I think his approach with the athletic department has really helped the overall camaraderie about, you know, he talks about it. You know, we expect all of our programs to be top 10 and there is kind of, like I said, a newfound um, like family atmosphere within the athletic department where they, they support all the other sports. We did not do that as much. We did it sparingly. But like I said, I see it all the time now. I see it damn near every sport I watch. I see uh, players from other sports, females and women going to the men's sports and vice versa. What, what, about, what about this? What about the idea of other, other teams winning and lifting one another up? So that makes sense. Like if there's a yeah. a culture of winning across an entire athletic department. Yes. And maybe maybe part of that at Texas during your time was a culture of of expectations of winning. Right. Mm -hmm. Did that did that ever play a role or ever come across your, your, your thought process or are you, are you talking about more what was true for you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it is a kind of a newer phenomenon. I mean, think about it. We never celebrated directors' cups back in the day. That's because Stanford always won them. But yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah. But yeah. we didn't we didn't even keep up with where we were in the standings. Nobody talked about that. I remember that one. There was a cover of like a Sports Illustrated. Remember where it had Stanford and all of their sports on it, and it had yeah. Texas and all sports and Sims was on. Do you remember this? Yeah. 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 That was, I think they were talking about directors' cups or best athletic departments, that kind of thing. That was kind of the first time that we had heard anything about that. You know, when CDC comes, he's preaching it. Directors' cup, baby. We want it. We want to be the best athletic department in the country, hands down. We're going to add sports to do it, whatever it takes to do it. So I just think it's a, it's a different mentality. And, yeah, I think that, you know, that rising tide, it does lift all the boats. I do think – and hell, even Sark talked about it, right? Sark talked about when they have these uh, kind of forums where they bring in all the coaches, how, you know, when CDC is congratulating all the coaches on the great seasons, hey, stand up if you were top 10, stand up if you were in the final four, stand up if you wanted to. And then see, it, it, Sark talks about sitting down like, man, I, I got to pick my game up. <laughs> I, want, I want a shout out. I ain't getting a shout out, right? It, you may have been the reason we didn't win a Directors' Cup that year or whatever, because football didn't do their part. So I do. I think I think it's intentional. Uh, the, the the culture that he has built there, this competitive culture. It's a it's a constructive competitive culture. But all the coaches are competing now, and they all know like, hey, top ten is the standard. Why? Because your boss said it. He said it. And if you ain't in the top ten, then everybody already knows. Well, boss ain't happy. We know that because they're not top ten. I'd say this too, since I since you and I since 
during CJ's time in school, it's, it's definitely changed from when I was in school and then from when you were in school. Uh, you and I, Rob, were about, what, 10 to 15 years apart, I guess. Mm-hmm. So my, my thought process on this, a couple things have happened recently that help even more. Volleyball has become a bigger spectator sport generally. Truly. Okay. So it is the one, it's the one women's sport that's kind of really taken off. Right. Yep. I, I And that's at Gregory. And so a lot of students, it's very easy to get to easy walk. I actually think moving the Moody center to where it is compared to the drum helps that walk. I mean, it, it's now great. 10 minutes closer. You just walk, you walk out your dorm room and you're, I mean, it's right next to the football stadium, as opposed to across the across the or not across the highway, but across the MLK. Okay. Yeah, down there, and it's easier for them all to go support one another. That's true. That's, that's my so I I think that's been healthy, and that's one of the reasons why I think sports on campus is good. You know, you see a lot of these mm-hmm. teams that don't have sports on their campus and have to build their stadiums away. Yeah, uh, that's that's a tough thing. So it's a good point, absolutely. though. That's, I, yeah. I never thought about that, but you're right. That that does matter as a student athlete, being able to just go walk right on over there. That's I never thought about it, but I think yeah. you're right about that. Yeah. All right. Um, hey, yeah, because you know, you, you don't want to you can't spend all your time at those games. You got to get back to study, you got other things you yeah. got to do, early morning workouts, etc. Hey, uh, let's uh, switch topics here a little bit. Uh, back to some NIL NLI national letter of intent, not NIL, uh, name, image, and likeness. <laughs> Uh, from Justin Yarbrough, thanks for the super chat, Justin. Uh, is the, if there is a new signing period in June, how many will ask out of their NLI? I personally like the two signing days, one in the first week of December and the traditional February signing day. How many will I look if you say, um, say 25% of your class signs in June, what percent of that 25%? will ask out because, well, I think two to three of their assistant coaches are going to be gone. And that doesn't even account for if the head coach gets fired or leaves. I bet 20 to 25%, 10 to 20% ask out of the NLI. Just trying to figure out, just doing the back of the envelope numbers. CJ, you have an idea there? I mean, it's it's the same as what we saw this past offseason, I would say, with that kind of approach with we saw the craziest coaching carousel in my college football watching days I I don't think you know it's up for debate in that regard uh how many guys did you see request letter of intent uh you know kind of releases I think if you do it in June you know going into the season one things could change are you sure you want to be at that university regardless of if that coach or position coach is going to be there or not that is what you're going to have to weigh if you're planning on signing in those uh in that period. So it's going to be one of those things where if you have a great group around you, if you're a prospect, whether it be a family member, a coaching staff at high school or a trainer, anybody that's been through the process already to sit you down and say, Hey, you know, you're locking in. There is no more second chances. If you put pen to pad in June, because Hey, things change over the next six Mm -hmm. months, things change over the next 12 months. And if you're ready to lock in and be at the school that you're signing to right now, go do it. If you're ready, if you don't want to, deal with anything else by all means lock in get ready for your college career just know things are are, are bound to change and they they can change at any moment just to ask alabama this offseason uh mm-hmm. so i i think it's you know one of those same similar situations of no matter when you sign things could change but if you sign before the upcoming football season you're pro- you're, you're putting yourself at risk to see significantly more variables you know hitting the wall you know uh, sort of say there here, here's the other problem with it signing this early. I'm going to just tell you these collectives, um, they will be um, hawks and vultures. I'm just telling you, they're going to have these guys spin in so many different ways on what kind of contracts they sign, and too many families aren't going to have real re- legal representation. Yep. And I'm just, I just, that's a bad idea. I just, I'm, I know Jerry likes it um, because he thinks it like you, Rod, initial reaction, get some things off the plate early for kids and for yeah. coaches. I, I just I see too many drawbacks, but if that's the way it goes, we're going to be here to cover it. Speaking of Jerry Hamilton, there you go. I, I'm making this segue right now. Jerry Hamilton breaking some news 
Uh, busy oh. breaking news while we're hitting, sitting here talking a little Longhorn football. Uh, <laughs> if you don't mind bringing it up. Brandon Brown, a uh, young man that's uh, committed to the University of Texas, has locked in three official visits uh, in June. Texas, one of those, obviously, Southern Cal, where he's visited, and also Tennessee, the other. Uh, Brown, a defensive tackle out of O'Galley, Florida, uh, committed to Texas. Uh, one of the very first commitments of the 2025 recruiting class. Uh, he will take all of those visits, I believe, in the month of June. Uh, so uh, long story short, I think the Texas one, hold on a second, June 10th uh, for Texas. Uh, that is going to be one of the big weekends. USC, the 21st through the 23rd. Tennessee, the 7th through the 9th. It looks like they're going to have some midweek visits in mm -hmm. June, not just Texas, but other schools. Because guess what? Players are out of school. Mm -hmm. They can do midweek visits, right? They don't yeah. have to worry about getting home to be back for, for school the next day or for after the weekend. So uh, big news there. Uh, Jerry Hamilton breaking that earlier today. CJ, I wanted to ask you, you were down in uh, San Antonio earlier today seeing uh, Michael Terry, the uh, uh, quarterback, running back, athlete. Does it all. Heights. He does it all, right? Uh, what, what did you find out from him? It's uh, You've been going around to schools in Central Texas, went dipped down to San Antonio today. Uh, tell folks a little bit about him. Yeah, awesome kid. Uh, he's a football player first, pl just finished up averaging 11 or 12 points on the basketball court as well. Uh, first track meet back last week, ran 10-8 at 6'3 and 205. So uh, the kid is a true athlete uh, by all sense of the word. I know that gets labeled on the prospects at times that where you might not know where he's going to play, and I think he certainly fits into that uh, category at the moment. There's schools recruiting him all over the offensive side of the ball at running back. Uh, wide receiver. Some have even mentioned an H-back or tight end, though I think he has a little bit more explosiveness to his game than the traditional s sniffer in that regard. Uh, I think at the next level, it's going to be wide receiver where he really makes his money. Uh, he is 6'3". He doesn't necessarily possess that big twitchy burst that you see at times from guys that Texas likes to recruit at the wide receiver position. Uh, but with the ball in his hands, you cannot, you know, uh, knock what he does. Uh, it's really, really impressive. There's a few schools coming in now that are a bit new from where we saw from his update in January when he mentioned Texas TCU and Texas Tech as the three to watch. Oregon's emerged a little bit. He has a, a trip planned for the spring to go see Nebraska as well. And since seeing him in January, uh, Texas A&M has made a move as well. So a lot of uh, a lot of new you know, chapters for that recruitment right now. Texas, again, it, it kind of spotty with the, the communication at the moment. A lot of it has been to shard choice every now and then. Steve Sarkeesian will get on the phone with him. Uh, the biggest selling point to him is, hey, I want to get, I'm going to go to a spot where I can get the ball. Uh, right now, he sees wide receiver as a spot that he wants to play at the next level. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where else he goes in this spring because he doesn't have anything locked in. Uh, only a trip up to uh, Lincoln to see the Cornhuskers is sl uh, slated for April. Nothing else. He's he's wide open, but uh, he loves being this close to home. Again, only about an hour and a half up to Austin. Uh, and again, uh, interestingly, though, Tashard Choice, when he was at Georgia Tech, was the first coach to offer him. Uh, uh, his He was in eighth grade. The summer of his eighth grade year, he got the offer from Tashard Choice. They've been building ever since. And whenever he revisited uh, in January, to receive a official visit from Texas, it was Steve Sarkeesian and Shard Choice there uh, to really keep that momentum going on Texas' side of things now. So a little bit of a, something to watch there and a, probably a reason why you haven't seen a whole lot of Chris Jackson in his recruitment just yet. Did you know nice. that before nice. you visited with him today? Or is that no, I did not. I, I sat down with Coach Raymond, the head coach at uh, Alamo Heights, and he gave me the whole rundown. It was it was a really – he's an awesome coach, awesome program down there. Uh, but Coach Ritterman, uh, I mean, he he kind of sat down and he goes, yeah, you probably didn't know this either, but Coach Choice, he was actually the guy that gave him his first offer when he was at Georgia Tech. And I was like, I sure I sure didn't know that. Yeah, that's so pretty cool wow. stuff. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's Good crazy. stuff, CJ. Awesome. I appreciate that. He was offered January 20th by the Longhorns during that uh, junior day that the Texas had 100-plus prospects uh, on campus for as well. Uh, hey, we had a quick question real quick. Uh Tracy Jackson asking uh, if Brandon Brown is wavering on his commitment. Um, I think this is a great question, Tracy, and a fair one. Uh, but I think it also needs context. Brandon Brown committed to Texas at a time when Bo Davis was the defensive line coach for the Longhorns. 
Now, Brandon Brown likes Texas a lot, and he has stayed committed. At the same time, he was always going to go ahead and take visits elsewhere during the process. So context. Don't it's not, oh, he's definitely leaving or he's wavering. Look, there's a long way till signing day. Let's see how it plays out. Right now, he's sticking with the Longhorns, but uh there, there's going to be that uh situation that we need to, to watch out for. So uh just be aware of it. Um, all right, uh let's go to a couple other questions. Uh got a comment here from William Nish. We appreciate the super chat. Uh William. Rod, CJ, Bobby, Jerry, thanks for all the great content. We appreciate you guys. Thank you, uh, this as well. Thank uh, you, man. Enjoy it, guys. We really do. Um, all right. Here's one for you, Rod. Do you see Sark changing his offensive philosophy once they go to a grass surface? I'm hearing it's in 2026, by the way, Rod. Oh, really? The grass? Um, no, I don't see him changing it. Um It'll be a fast surface, whatever Texas gets. I mean, it, Texas, <laughs> Texas is smart enough to know, especially with Sark's philosophy, right? Build the team, speed on the outside, big humans on the inside. I mean, look at Sark's receiving core right now. I mean, hell, man, it's just <laughs> it's jam-packed with speed all throughout it. Whether you're talking about the unproven commodities or you're talking about the guys they brought in, it's one of the reasons that you know we talked about them expanding that circle of trust of wide receivers. So I don't see him changing up his philosophy uh, for that. I. You know, I, if anything, I, I see Sark actually, you know, in terms of his philosophy, becoming a little bit more diverse uh, philosophically because he's got so many great athletes everywhere. Now, he, once you start stockpiling talent the way he's doing it, you know, at wide receiver, you know, they, they got a lot of talent there. That's why we're talking about him expanding the circle of trust there. You know, the offensive line, you know, CJ talks about that should be a strength. Hell, man, that's why you should play 6-0 lineman at times and break out the big 12, big 11 package because you've got an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> of telling on the old line there's a reason Sark broke out two tailback sets the last two or three years and when you got the most talented running back room in the country and even this past season we found out hey Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue and you know CJ uh, Baxter you still that's still a really talented group with a really good coach and that's a short choice so yeah you should play two, more two tailback sets so if anything I'm expecting Sark's offense to evolve to become more diverse with the with the pot with the the, the the talent he keeps stockpiling and piling up at different positions just to try to weaponize and maximize the amount of talent so that's what i'm expecting if anything for sark's offense more diversity going in terms of personnel um in terms of formations i expect that going forward with sark i actually really um, like that question what, what, i think it's a lot of fun yeah and todd lacy asked this question he said he's the one that asked the question right he said in november with all of the rain no, nah. I asked. Okay, and so that's what he's thinking. Does he change? And yeah, I, I it should know. drain really well. Texas, innocent Texas, with the resources they have, Texas, that field should be top three, top three to five fields in the country. We shouldn't have drainage issues. It should be top notch. Now, come on, now, really, yeah. we got we got field issues. It's not the it's not the cold and wet like in the Midwest. That's it's, oh yeah, that's, great point. That's the, that could make you want to change your offense a little bit. And that tears that's up the field because that tears yeah. up the field, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. All right, Burnt Horns, uh, who is going to lead the team in receiving yards next year? Who's going to lead oh, the team in receiving CJ yards? CJ got this one because CJ got that great article. Tell that me, was if it's not Isaiah Bond, I'd be shocked. Okay. I'd be shocked. Jontae Cook? He got a shot. Jontae ain't got a chance to be the lead. I, I, I think what we've seen – just the, the the skill traits that we see from Bond and, and Worthy, I think, line up a little bit closer than what we see from Cook and Worthy, simply because of the speed threats and obviously the production that we've seen from Bond at Alabama as well. We know that he can perform in those big games, come up with the big catches like he did in the Iron Bowl this past season. It's one of those things where Sarkeesian, over the three years that he had Xavier Worthy, fed, 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 and fed him. And I think that the minute that Isaiah Bond gets into that circle of trust and becomes that guy that Quinn Ewers can say, yeah, we're both going to be in the NFL draft this year, then you'll start seeing that Bond form a little bit this spring, over the summer specifically, and early into next year, he's going to be that guy for Texas uh, without a doubt. I do think, and I've said this before, Jonte's going to be that number two guy. And that's no knock on Silas Bolden, no knock on Matthew Golden. I just think being around John uh, Quinn Ewers and Sarkeesian for an extra year there's a reason why Jonte was a borderline five-star guy. He's very talented, and we've both talked about it, Rod. His routes are as crisp as anybody that you'll see in the entire program. 
He will find a way onto the field. Should he be 100% ready to get there, uh, he'll put up some numbers in, in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I'm going with Bond. Um, I, I do believe. I, I just feel like he's got – He's got some. He's got some yards on the wall. I mean, he's he's had some stats, right? Bolden has had stats. Golden has too. Um, but I think he's probably the older one, and uh, probably more ready to go. I do. It's interesting about that. That Rod brought up Jonte Cook because it could end up being whoever plays that slot role for for Texas, as opposed to the outside role. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. I, I don't know why I'm feeling that way because Jordan Whittington was not that guy for Quinn Ewers because he did he was not a quick to get open guy. That's the one thing about Jordan Whittington. He wasn't a he didn't really get open quickly, right? No. But if you can get open quickly, and I think Jonte is more that type of receiver, that may change the underneath stuff quite a bit. Um, yeah, it's, Bobby, and if Cook's that guy, yeah. I was going to ask you, if you look for a slot guy like a Jordan Whittington to kind of be that, you know, uh, insurance guy for Quinn Ewers, I wonder where Texas goes with that. If Isaiah Bond's going to be your wide receiver one, he spent 60% of his snaps at Alabama inside the slot. Yep. That's going to be a learning curve there, whether or not Texas uses them solely outside or uses them. We've talked about positionless a little bit, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to have a guy like Jordan Whittington that mans that interior spot, who that is is going to be very important because we've seen guys like Matthew Golden about more than a third of his snaps at Houston last year were inside the slot. And he had a very short average distance of target as well, just over eight yards. So if that's going to be your guy, you got to make sure that the hands are right and uh, everything lines up well there. So it'll be interesting. I think this, this spring is going to be very fun. As Jerry keeps saying, I I, I cannot wait to see what that first kind of starting lineup looks like uh, uh, in just over 20 days. Yeah. It, Earl Campbell days, by the way, uh, to uh, uh, the uh, spring ball. Uh, you know, you mentioned that, and I will say this. what I would like to know what Bond did as a freshman at Alabama. Because Tommy Reese has a different style of offense than the Bill O'Briens or a Steve Sarkeesian. He just, he just does. He's more – and plus they were so run-centric with yep. the quarterback. And you know that – Jalen Milrow doesn't throw the ball well outside. He throws the deep ball well, yeah, he does. right? But that's about all he throws well. Um, and so I wonder if that figures into it a little bit too, based on those sat, those stats uh, you gave, CJ. All right, uh, we've got time for one or two more questions to, to grab before we got to get going here tonight. Thank you all for joining us on, on Texas Football Wednesday night live stream brought to you by TexasElectricityRatings.com. Texas Electricity Ratings is a website that allows you to shop for electricity programs that fit your needs. So if you're familiar with deregulated energy in big cities like Houston, Dallas, uh, and have that opportunity, go to TexasElectricityRatings.com. They have a list of all the different providers, but also can help you figure out which ones are real and legit versus the gimmicky plans, and also give you an understanding based on your uh, based specifically on your usage. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com. We appreciate them for their sponsorship, ongoing sponsorship of On Texas Football. All right, a uh, couple of more questions before we get going here. Uh, guys, I, I, th- I thought this was a pretty good one. Uh, CJ, I'm going to let you try to take this. Our next commitment from Victor Santiago. Thank you, Victor, for the question. Our next commitment will be on the defensive side or the offensive side. Where do you think? Yeah, this is fun. I I like to lean the offensive side of the ball. And this is simply because of when the next group of guys will be coming to campus uh, in March and April. Right now, April 6th is looking like it's going to be a loaded day on the offensive side of the ball. You talk about Kelshawn Johnson, uh, Ricky Stewart, uh, Khalid Lockett, KJ Lacey coming in big time as well. John Mills, uh, Tyler Thomas. There's a number of big offensive guys coming in on that weekend, uh, that kind of precedes what we're going to see on the spring game. And that'll be a big weekend as well. But getting those big offensive guys on campus early, I think that'll help get that ball moving a little bit further. Uh, I I like the offensive side of the ball. 
and maybe on the offensive offensive line. You know, there's a lot of guys that Texas is targeting right now. Again, if you're able to get those guys on campus more times than once this early in the year, it, it, it normally bodes well. Offensive linemen go early, relatively speaking. No, not all of them. Like some of the big, big, big time ones, like Kelvin Banks, don't make a decision till the very end or switch. But a lot of them do go early. There, it, it's usually the quarterback is first, and then the the rest of the class kind of goes in because the co- coaches at big time programs are trying to find their quarterback first because that yeah. is quote unquote the most important position on the field, yes. right? Uh, and so now we're, I think Texas currently has five commitments, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for the yes. 2025 class. Uh, so we'll see what, what happens next, Victor. I don't I don't know that we have that kind of crystal ball. Um, I will say there have been guys I that have wish. been talking about it, but none that have actually dominoed at this point. Can you guys uh, predict what position or might define the class. You know, last year was obviously defensive backs, just a ton of DBs. Uh, we remember that O-line class from a couple of years ago for Texas, right? That that defined that class. Would that be a position that defines the class or a player? I mean, Arch was kind of the defining player of a class. Like, it would it be a player or a position that defines I, the class? I don't know that it would be a player. I think it has a chance to be defensive tackle. Yeah, okay. that, that's exactly yeah. where I was going with linebacker as my my 1B there as well. Uh, like loaded seven. State. They've got they've got some guys that at linebacker rod that they've got on the hook right now that are bad dudes now. Yep. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean the, good. the good kind of bad. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. No, no, I got you. I got bad you. You guys are talking about the interior yeah. of the, the guts of the defense, right? In off ball linebacker, interior D line. Yes, that triangle. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 kind of where what I see right now. That doesn't mean it'll end up that way, but that's what it looks like from if you know, if you're really trying to, to guess, uh, yeah, to do your best guess right now. Like uh, speaking about the interior of that defense, uh, this one comes from Steven Henderson. Do we see Anthony Hill blitzing more from the middle linebacker position because of improved secondary play and edge play? That's a great question. So, that does that question. does that make we make that does that allow Texas to turn him loose actually as a middle linebacker? Whereas when he really got after the quarterback last year, he was lined up at edge. Yes, he was. They moved him around. I would say it it all depends on and, and CJ and I talked about this actually. I think you agreed, CJ. Mm-hmm. Do you find capable, competent, consistent play at the other off-ball linebacker? Because if you do, yeah, if you do, then you, I think you can't afford to move him around, him be a movable chess piece situationally. If you don't, you're going to need him there to stabilize that interior of that defense, the central nervous system of that defense. And, CJ, you said you think that they're going to have that with LaFowle, correct? He, I think he has a up. higher ceiling at bridging the gap from the pass game to the run game than what you'll see from a Benda or a Blackshire. They're mm-hmm. both tremendous in run defense. That's kind of their staple as, as linebackers. But I think if you're going to take Anthony Hill – out of pass uh, the, the the passing game, the passing coverage, can you rely on the two of them? That's the question mark in which we have yet to see them as consistently reliable uh, coverage guys at the linebacker spot. That's where my hesitancy comes in right now. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good good discussion, guys. Uh, last one for tonight uh, from David Williams. Uh, he added me here, guys. I thought it about this before, but don't have the answer. I've wondered what level of mentorship Chris Del Conte provides UT coaches. To my knowledge, he hasn't been a coach. I don't know that he's ever been a coach. And he's definitely more of an, an administrator. Um, one of the good things about and I'm not saying he has no history of it or what have you. One of the, the things about him that I think is very big is I actually think that he tries to hire coaches at Texas that don't need that. Mm. And I'm not saying he will help Mm. them along the way, but at Texas, it's different than say you're at a smaller school that where you have to rear your head coach into becoming a head coach. He tends to go with guys that have had that done before. Right. It's one of the famous lines like everybody asks, well, DeLos Dodds, what are you looking for in your coach? 
Well, first of all, head coaching experience, because Texas is a different animal mm-hmm. and it requires a different level of understanding of everything that's going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would say that. Um, but at Texas, it may be particularly true because I don't think learning on the job is something that Texas fans really appreciate. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. the, that's the reality, right? And it doesn't matter whether it's, I don't know, uh, tiddlywinks or, or football. I mean, I just don't think Texas fans really appreciate that idea. And so his mentorship, uh, David Kel- Keith Williams, I think he's more about his mentorship is what do you need to succeed? Yep. What you need. That's his job, in his opinion. Tell me what you need to succeed, and he'll try to get that done. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight, live stream. Thank you all for joining us on Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. I sat in for Ray Peters, who's uh, on vacation today uh, or this week. Uh, Rod Babers there, as well as C.J. Vogel. Thank you also to TexasElectricityRatings.com for sponsoring. And thank all of you uh, for joining us tonight. Good questions, good topics. Hope everybody had a good time. 20 days away from spring ball. And I oh, do yeah. want to say one last thing. We have a special coming up on Sunday night. Rod <laughs> Babers, myself, and Jerry Hamilton are going to be Uh-oh. having a quiz show, game oh, no. show, Uh-oh. Uh, that has to do with trivia. And uh, it's the three of us <laughs> going up against one another. Uh, CJ, you're going to have to be an auditor of that game show. And Wow. Uh, if you can hear it from. Uh, What's the categories we're talking about here? Can I get a jump on the categories at least? What I are we doing? The categories are football, football, and football. That's, <laughs> that's my guess, bro. So I can all study, right. just study football, and I'll be all right. Huh? Hey, we'll, we'll see. You. I'll be back tomorrow morning uh, with the coffee and football myself, Blake Monroe, and Jerry Hamilton. Maybe he'll tell us a little bit about this Brandon Brown situation as well. Uh, for CJ and Rod, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, and our producer, Matt Hutchison, hook him. Hook him. Hook him. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.